0: Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be in Texas. Um, here, let's get that ugly picture off. Let's go to, let's go to the prettier ones. Um, I'm Cody Wadsworth, and this is my family. This is my wife, Leanne, the, the super beautiful one up here. And uh, I love her so much. She's probably one of the biggest inspirations in my life that has pushed me and, and challenged me and, and uh, helped me to grow to be the person I am. And, she has this knack of not letting me stay where I am. So that's really good. So I love that. Uh, this is Hannah on the far end. She's 16. And this is, on this end is Jesse, our oldest son. He's uh, 11. And Josiah is 9 here in the middle. And then Madison is our 7-year-old daughter. And uh, as you see, we have wadsworthireland.com. We are missionaries, which is a weird statement to even say still today. Uh, we feel like Cody and Leanne and family Living in another country. That's about, that. We're just who we are here over there, really. And so, but we're missionaries in Northern Ireland, actually, in Belfast is a city we're in. And uh, we do a lot of things in, in uh, Belfast as far as ministry uh, anything from prayer on the streets, door to door ministry. We started, the church we went to help was a small church of about 50, 60. And they weren't doing much outreach. They kind of became inward focused. And just kind of stop doing outreach things. Well, when you stop doing outreach, as people literally kind of die off, the church gets smaller because no new people are coming. And so we felt like us and a team of four others from Belfast went to this church, and they pretty much said, you have a clean slate. What do you want to do? And they pretty much give us, you know, we try to hear God, us and the, the, me and Leanne and the other team of four uh, try to Hear God and just do whatever He wants us to do. If that's going door to door, we started a new service on a Saturday night at half five. That means five thirty for you Americans. But in Belfast you'd say half five. They even go as crazy as say a quarter past half five. Instead of five forty-five. It's quarter past half five. So you got to get it off straight. And it was so great. Dale Helton, Beth, our children's pastor. Uh, they came over, and Dale, her husband, was there, and they were saying something like that. Hey, let's meet about a quarter past half 10, and Dale said, back it up. That's all he said in his great <laughs> Texan, back it up. Like, hang on a second, what, what is that? And then we all just started laughing, and uh, so it's a little different, some different cultures to get used to, but um, so, yeah, we started this service. Uh, like I said, we do prayer on the streets. We have like a little corner of like five streets meeting on Saturdays. We put up this big sign that says, prayer. And we'll stand out there and just talk with people. And if they need prayer, we'll pray with them. But most of the time, it's just uh, hanging out and talking with people. We have a guy named Davey. Like he's probably 55, 60. He comes by with his really overweight basset hound that's about this wide and about that long. And, and we'll pet the dog. And we talk to him for 10, 15 minutes. And he's on his way. And, and uh, we have another guy, Will, that comes down. There's a, a bookies. So they have bookies on like one on every... I don't know, a few neighborhoods. I mean, there's a lot of them in town. And so he goes over and does a $2 wager every Saturday while his wife and sister-in-law are out shopping. He goes and makes a $2 wager on the horses. So we talk to Will every Saturday when he comes by. So it's great just getting to know these people. And the funny story is we were there and these three guys would go make soccer bets all the time. And they said, hey, ever since y'all been praying on the street corner, we haven't won a bet. (laughs) And we said... We said, who, who are you supporting? And they told us somebody like Liverpool or somebody. And we said, well, that's your problem. You're, you're on the wrong team. So I've learned a lot about football, this, you know, soccer, not American football. So you've got to say American football while you're there. And uh, they're really big into football, rugby, things like that. And even one, one time I was a few weeks there, I was preaching. I got done preaching, you know, felt really good. And this kid was always kind of looking at me the whole time I was preaching beside his mom and dad there and I get done, I go down to the back, and they have tea and coffee afterwards and wee buns, as they say, and uh, which are just little cookies, which they call biscuits. I don't know. It's all weird over there. And uh, so anyways we're having tea, coffee, and biscuits and buns and different things. And uh, this kid keeps staring at me and he's and he gets ready to leave and I'm kind of there in the back and he comes up to me and goes, One day I'm gonna be a rugby player and I'm gonna give you a million dollars. And I was like, wow, you know, just for me coming over being a missionary, he's thinking he was, and I was like, that's so sweet. Why do you want to do that? And he goes, because my dad said, you're the poorest preacher we ever had. And so <laughs> that really didn't happen. I might be the poorest preacher y'all have ever had, but I won't, I wasn't the poorest preacher they ever had. Maybe I might've been. No one showed up from first service, so you know how it is here. Uh, no, I, I feel like God just told me a couple of things. Most preachers have three points, and I didn't get many points today. I got about two thoughts that I want to share, really. And so it's going to be a little different. I kind of felt bad as I didn't get my points, and they didn't spell out a cool word or an acronym or all start with the same letter. But the first thought I got as I was praying was Scripture, Jeremiah 29:11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And it goes on to say, then you will call on my name. No, no, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So the first thought that I felt like I just needed to say today, God wanted me to say, there's somebody here today that's making a huge decision. That you need to know God's plan for you is good. He has a good future for you. Maybe it's a high schooler. Maybe it's a senior about to graduate. I actually got a picture of this high schooler that's about to make a big uh, decision on maybe what college or what field he's wanting to go into or she's wanting to go into for a job. And I think that's the big thing. Come to me, call on me, and I will be found by you. I think that's what God's wanting to encourage us with. One thing today is he has a good plan for us and he has a good future. So if there's something going on in your life today, know that. Whatever you're going through, whatever maybe, maybe you're in the middle of a struggle right now. Know that God's plan and future for you is good, that there's hope. He has hope for you. So there's my first thought. That was quick and simple, wasn't it? My second thought's gonna be a little bit longer, but uh, that's okay. Uh, my next thought I just want to talk about is a scripture that came to me, was Matthew 28:19, 19. And I, I started here at Crossroads or we actually started as a life group that became a church uh, in 2001. And they were so great of saying, hey, who can do what? And I said, well, I can play a little bit of guitar and sing really bad. But I have a wife that can sing really good. I have a father-in-law that can play bass. And so he played bass and, and uh, they let us just go at it. We would kind of stand over in the side of a living room when we first started playing and singing and doing the best we could. And then four or five years down the road, or I guess about three years down the road, they said, Hey, we need a youth pastor. And I was just kind of volunteering. Uh, actually, me and Lee and our two families were just kind of volunteering, doing like a, a youth life group. And they said, Hey, how would you like to be a full time youth pastor? And I was like, I don't know. I've been in construction my whole life, building houses, doing stuff like that. And I said, Well, I, I just love, uh, I'd love to do that. But hang on, let me, let me pause right there. That just reminded me of something. I got two people here today. I was thinking about being in construction i got my dad and my mom, Jimmy and Marie, and I just want to honor them. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for them pushing me and, and telling me to go for God, and, and uh, this last year was tough, being away for a full year and missing one another, but we, we, got, we made it through it. We're gonna make it through it another year as we get visas and go back, but I just want to honor them and say thank you all for all that you've done for me and how you've supported us. And if you get something from today, go up to them and, and just tell them thank you for their influence, and if it's really bad today, tell them they should have tried harder. And so, um, but uh, anyway, so I was a youth pastor, I was just thinking, he, we were working together full-time, and he was the one that said, hey, if this is what you want to do, go do it. And he found other ways and stuff, is when you're in construction, you need, a, you need help. And so, he pushed me to go be a youth pastor, and I went to do youth pastoring full-time. And our pastor at the time was Ty Lovell, and he worked great for me. He was just about as crazy as I was. But anyways, we were talking one time, and he said something about the Great Commission, and he could see this blank look on my face. I was kind of young at the time, and he's like, you know what the Great Commission is, don't you? I was like, uh, maybe, yeah. He was like, you need to get in the Word. You need to, you need to get in the Word a lot more. And I was like, okay. And I took his advice, and I did. I got in the Word. I started memorizing scriptures. And now I know what the Great Commission is, and hopefully you do too. It's Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 28, 19 is part of it. And this is just the part I want to share is, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And I believe that's what God's wanting to uh, encourage us to do today. Not just Cody and Leanne and, and his four kids. Not just the Daltons and their two kids and then the Philippines. He's wanting to call each one of us to go make disciples of all nations. And here's the prerequisite, follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus and you live in a nation, you can make disciples in all nations. We, 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 we sometimes read this and think, well, that's for the elite. That's for, I mean, I used to look at it and think, that's for missionaries. And then I look and I'm like, crud, I'm a missionary now. Now I can't use that excuse, you know? <laughs> I mean, um, And so what we do, we think, I, I, I'm just an average person. I'm just an ordinary person everyday person. You know, I mean, I I grew up in Bowie, Texas. And I always say, can anything good come from Bowie? You know, I mean, that's that's kind of where that, and I mean, I just grew up, I was an average basketball player. I thought I was going to be an NBA all-star someday. I could barely make it. You know, I got one half scholarship offered to like a small D2 school. And I was like, I'm not, for a half scholar, I'm not even doing it. I'm not putting all the time and practice and effort. And then I also got engaged at the same time, and that was a lot better deal. And so uh, I decided to go a different route, something that was more important to me. And uh, so anyways, I mean, I was just average grades, A, B, honor roll, no, no honors classes, never got a college degree, tried a few years and thought, this isn't for me. What you? But God started working on me and, and leading me a different route. And so, uh, you know, I just got I just to thinking, I'm like, I can't do this. And I read, I read the Bible I start, you know, and I read about Paul. I mean, there's a guy that gave his life to the Lord. He had this encounter with God, and it was totally different. He just went out and proclaimed, you know, I wish I could be like Paul. Or how about Peter? He was filled with the Holy Spirit, went out, 3,000 were saved. You know, that, that's how, what I would love. I'd love to go to Belfast, get up, preach one time, and boom, 3,000 come to the Lord. You know, that's church multiplication right there, really quick. You know, but only thing I have in common with Peter is I sometimes don't think before I speak you know, and uh, so I can sometimes put my foot in my mouth like Peter did often. Uh, but I, I wanted to just tell a story about somebody I love out of the Bible, out of First Kings 17, 18, 19, is Elijah. I don't know if y'all know the story of Elijah, hopefully you do, but it's one of my favorite. I taught it so many times in children's ministry here and youth ministry, and I don't know, it's just something with, it. I just love the, the passion and the, and the, of Elijah and just him hearing the Lord and doing what he says. And that's just kind of been my passion of, I try to hear the Lord the best I can. And I try to do what he says. I believe that's what we're all supposed to do. And, but Elijah, it starts out that God tells him, Hey, get down and pray that it's not going to rain for three and a half years. He does. And it quit raining. Three and a half years goes by. And then, he, then the Lord comes to him and says, I want you to call all the prophets of Baal together. And I'm going to show who the real God is in this in this country, in this nation. And so he calls the king and the prophets of Baal and he says, Hey, let's meet up on top of this mountain. And so he calls them all together. 400, 450 prophets of Baal show up on top of this mountain. And this is like a kind of like a contest here we're about to have. So Elijah kinda of lays the ground rules out for him. And Elijah says, Here's what we're going to do. We have two bulls. We're going to make an altar. You pick the bull of your choice, and we're going to cut it, we're going to sacrifice it as a burnt offering. But here's the catch. You can't use any of your own fire. You have to call fire down from heaven, from your God. And so Elijah knew there was only one true God, and this God of Baal that they were worshiping was not true. And, you know, and so they said, okay. He said, since there's so many of y'all, I want y'all go first. And so they f- picked their bull. They choose bull A. They put it on the altar. Get ready, and they start... Praying. They start doing all this stuff, and for hours they're praying and calling out to this god named Baal. And Elijah just kind of sits over there and chuckles. You know, he's just like, Phew. you know, then he starts, like probably I would, he starts making fun of them a little bit. Like, maybe your god's asleep. Won't you scream a little louder? You know, we sing the song, sing a little louder. You know, so, so he, was, he was saying, do not you just scream a little louder? See if you can, you know, get maybe you can get your God's attention, and so of course they do. They kind of take it, okay, yeah, you know, they didn't realize He's making fun of them, and so they do. They get louder, and they actually, they say they start cutting themselves, and they start dancing. They do all this crazy stuff. Nothing happens. Hours and hours go by. Nothing happens, and then so Elijah kind of helps them out, kind of puts them out of their mouth. just step over the side, let my turn, and so he takes his bull, rebuilds the altar that they all kind of tore down. It says he puts 12 stones, one for each tribe, and then and he puts his bull on top of it. But then, he's full of faith. I would, I would have been like, stop there, maybe try to find a lighter fluid to help me out. He digs a trench all the way around this altar. And then he says, go bring a bucket of water. And just, I can just see like the Lowe's Home, or Home Depot bucket, you know, just full of pouring water on it. He says, go get another one. Then they pour another one on it. You know, I'd be like, go get me five gallons of gas or diesel. You know, get me some tires or something. I need to light this thing, let it burn. You know, and so, but no, he pours another. So it's three buckets of water. And it says it fills the trench. And Elijah, you know, he sits back and prays for 45 minutes. No, he says just one easy little prayer. God, show them, show these people so they may know who the true God is. And bam, this fire falls down from heaven and it says it burns up the calf, burns up the stones, and even licks up or burns up the water that's all the way around. That's a pretty hot fire. I want to kind of stand back a little bit from that one. It's, it is hot coming down. And I hear these things about Elijah just, you know, he, after that, as soon as he gets done with this miracle, God tells him, hey, go over here and pray, and it's going to start raining. So he goes over here, kneels down, starts praying. And he sends this poor guy, I think he's a poor because he has to run across the mountain, it says he runs to the other side of the mountain, looks in the sky, and he runs all the way back over here, To he goes, there's there's nothing over there, Elijah. But Elijah doesn't give up, because God told him, pray and it's going to rain. So Elijah doesn't give up. He gets down and prays again, sends the guy back over there, and he comes back, nothing. He does this seven times. After two, I'd be like, I don't know, maybe God was, maybe I wasn't hearing right but not Elijah. He heard God and he was going to stay with it. And so he keeps praying. This guy keeps running. And I, he was one of the first long distance runners I think we ever had. Like he was very good, was conditioned and, you know. And so anyways, he, he comes back over there and the seventh time he, when he comes back, he goes, there's a cloud the size of a man's fist or hand. And Elijah was like, you better tell the king over here he better get back to the palace because he's about to get wet. And so the king gets in his chariot, hits his horses, whoo, he takes off. Elijah says he picks up his, you know, like his robe and gets it all girded, and he takes off running. So Elijah is the first sprinter we have. He outruns the, the horse and the chariot back to the palace. I mean, think about that. You see this guy like running, carrying his, you know, and he like, whoo! And you're like on this horse. You just seem like go flying by. I mean, that's pretty crazy. But as soon as he gets back to town, the queen, who... These were her prophets of Baal that I didn't say, he had all, uh, he killed every prophet of Baal after, after this. And so she was a little upset at Elijah for doing that because she's been feeding them for three and a half years of this drought because they needed food to survive. And so Jezebel was a little upset and she said, I want to tell you this, Elijah. She sent word out among the streets, you know, and said, if this time tomorrow you're not dead, may whatever happened to the prophets of Baal, how you, uh, uh, kill them, may it happen to me. So she pretty much put out wanted, most wanted posters of Elijah, and, and it was a death, you know, not dead or alive. It was, you're going to be dead by this time tomorrow. And Elijah, full of faith, would just walk right up to the palace doors and said, bring it up. No, he didn't. This is where I come into the story, I think. He went running off in fear to a cave. Now, it kind of feels like me sometimes. You get these you know, somebody, you know, you're doing all these great things and all of a sudden this one little, you know, something comes from somebody, this negativity or whatever, you kind of run off, you're kind of scared in fear and he runs off to this cave. But the cool thing is God didn't leave him there and he doesn't leave us there. But I love what got him out of the cave. It says there was a wind that crushed the rocks. It wasn't the wind. There was an earthquake that split them and It wasn't the earthquake. It was a fire that came and just destroyed a bunch of the front of the rocks of the cave. And it wasn't the fire. And it said, then there's a small voice, this whisper. And he says he put his cloak over his face and went out to see the Lord. And the Lord started speaking to him. And I believe that's us. God just whispers to us. It all comes down to this small whisper of hearing God and doing what he says. So he's asking us, in, in uh, Matthew 28, to go into all nations and make disciples. That's what he's asking each one of us to do. And it doesn't matter how ordinary you are or whatever. I read this scripture this, this year. We were doing a discipleship class in uh, uh, Belfast. And we were going through James. And this scripture just jumped out at me as I've never seen it before. But it's James 5.17. And it says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. Sometimes we can put these people in these stories, but well, that's this person, that's this person, you know, that's, you know, Billy Graham. He does this, you know, that, that's who you got to be to fulfill Matthew 28. You got to be Billy Graham's, you got to be Elijah's, you got to be Paul's, Peter's, Darren Embry, people like that, you know. <laughs> but that's what we think. But here's what God's saying God's saying it's all of us. If you're a believer, it's you. And all we have to have is that ear on the whisper of the Lord. What do you want me to do, Lord? And we can step out and we can do it. We don't have to hide in fear of saying, I I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, Moses, same thing. For three chapters in Exodus, one, two, and three, he's telling God, I can't do this. What have I got? You know, he's he's trying to back off into the cave, kind of like Elijah. I can't do this like I do. I try to back up sometimes. He told me to go live in Ireland. Okay, what am I going to do? I'm a construction guy that's, you know... Okay, I'll go to Ireland. What are we going to do? Moses was doing the same thing. I can't lead my people. They're not going to believe me. I don't speak well. I don't do all these. He's just trying to talk God out of it the whole time. And there's a cool scripture in Exodus 4-2 that God comes to him and he's telling me I can't do it. And God says, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. I believe that's what God's telling us today. What's that in your hand? You're trying to say, how can I do this? How can I go make disciples of all these nations? How can I make disciples of my family and my workplace and all these influences, the sphere of influence that I have? How can I make disciples? What do you got in your hand? God used a stick for Moses. I mean, it parted a sea. It turned water into blood. It did, I mean, he did all sorts, turned into a snake. It did all sorts of crazy things. It was just a stick in his hand. What has he gifted you with? You have so many gifts and talents. God's gifted me with skills of building. And so I try to use that. i put in a porch on the front of somebody's house. I've fixed the gate. I've cut doors down in the church. I've done different things over there just with, so when I got there, I got a skill saw. I got a miter saw. I got, you know, you had to get all your tools when you get over there because God's gifted me with that. And guess what? There's a lot of people that don't know how to do that that you're able just to go over to their house and say, hey, I'll help you fix your porch. And you're fixing your porch, and guess what we always do before we leave? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Real simple. It's not hard. And a lot of times they'll say, yeah, you know, I have this daughter, or I have this husband, or I have this... And then you're just like, hey, let's pray. And you just pray with them. But you're able to open up those conversations. You're able to share with people. It's kind of like this. Uh, It was said, share Jesus with people. And if... And if, you, if necessary, use words. Now, I'm not discounting sharing the gospel and evangelism and stuff, but what I'm trying to say is we make it way too hard. We make it too difficult and we try to say, mm, I can't do that. It's, over, it's, it's out of my pay grade. It's not. You're the ones who Jesus is calling. You're the ones that Jesus is saying, you're, the, you're my hands and feet. I need you. I need you to share with these people. I need you to, find these people, and so I just want to share just a little bit about our life in Belfast and kind of what this looks like, of what we figured out. So you go over there with this mindset, at least I did, of, you know, we're missionaries, so we're going over there, we got these agendas, we're going to do this, we're going to have to go to this many doors and knock on, you know, do, we found out really quick that doesn't work so well, because that just puts people into projects and not friendships and not relationships. So here's some relationships we've made. This is Rebecca and Chase. He's nine, and uh, Rebecca lives about two blocks from the church on 30 Thorndyke Street, and our, actually our youth team was over there in August, and so the Saturday morning, we have a Saturday service, I was standing about at half five, and uh, that morning, about quarter past half ten, what time is that? 10.45, 1045 that's right. All right, just checking, make sure y'all were listening earlier, and uh, Anyway, so we went over there knocking on doors and stuff, and she answered and just didn't have the smile she has now, and but she was just kind of, you know, it's kind of early, 1045, 11 o'clock in the morning. It's early on a Saturday over there. Don't wake people up. And uh, anyways, our youth team went and knocked on the door with Colin, said, hey, is there anything we pray for you about? Kind of went through our usual spiel of door-to-door ministry, and we'll actually now say, is there anything that you need fixed around your house? We have people that are good. So we actually use that now, so maybe if I can get in and fix a toilet or a sink, we can. She was like, no, I'm just kind of, you know, ready to shut the door, kind of had it cracked about this much with just her head out. And we told her, hey, there's food at our service, and her eyes perked up. And she was like, okay, what time is it? We said 5.30. She's all right, I'll be there. And so she comes to this service and hasn't really missed since. She came Saturday night. She came Sunday morning. And that Sunday morning, her second time there, second day, she's the one that said, if y'all get, Some of y'all get our newsletters. She said, what took y'all so long coming by my house? And so that kind of opened our eyes of maybe we need to go by people's houses more. Maybe there's more people out there that's hurting just waiting for an invitation. Maybe there's people at your work that's just waiting to be invited into relationship. Just to, you know, you just to come up genuinely and want to talk to them and care about them and want to help them. And so uh, she's been there all the time, her son got baptized in October. Gave his life to the Lord and got baptized. And uh, she hasn't given her life to the Lord yet, but she's going to. We're going back for another year. and uh, But here's, here's, how, here's how we love Rebecca. She's been a mom since a, I mean, as a kid, really. She's 34 and her oldest is 18 and just moved out. And she never really learned how to cook because she was just forced into motherhood and into this, you know, just And so she has five boys. She's the only girl of of the house. She has five boys, 18, and uh, Chase is the youngest at nine. And so she has trouble cooking sometimes, but Leanne makes a really great potato soup, and they love potatoes in Ireland. But um, So anyways, Leanne makes a potato soup, so guess what we do? We make soup, because we can make soup. That's what God's given us, and we can take it by Rebecca's house, and we can say, hey, we, we love you. Here's some soup. We can talk, we can pray. Uh, Leanne takes her out for coffee. When we left, we went by our house and she goes, as soon as you get back, I want a coffee date. Because that's the time for her to get away, not be mom of five, but just to be herself. And, and it's so crazy. She just opens up and just talks to Leanne and just shares these things. And it's so amazing. And that's just getting coffee. Do y'all have time to go get a coffee at Starbucks? We can all do this, guys. It's It's not... It's nothing that we're doing. It's all God. Okay, so don't, don't look at it as, oh, man, Cody. No, it's God showing us this because we went with a different frame of mind and a different attitude, honestly, and God's been changing us into seeing this differently. The next one is Dennis. He's our friend Dennis. I think we're eating lasagna and some rolls, maybe some eggplant or something's on there. And uh, anyways, uh, I can't see what's all on the plates, but Dennis is our, a friend of ours. Uh, he lives around the church, and he came to us because we were standing out in the corner pr- trying to pray for people, and he walks up. He gets a flyer in his door of this new service starting. He wanted to come up. What kind of church are y'all? What are y'all doing? Blah, blah, blah. You know. And I didn't really care about the service. If he's coming That I was say, hey, do you want to get together sometime? And you know, he came to that service that night. I sat with him the whole night and talked with him and ate. And then here's what we do. He, he's single. He's by himself. He's been a Christian for about seven years, but he's an alcoholic. He struggles with depression and some other mental issues. Fabulous, fabulous artist, painter. Like has 20 degrees and I mean like masters and I mean from London and stuff. Amazing artist, gifted. And, but just needs somebody to walk with. Has no one. And so if you're ever thinking about it, pray for Dennis that he'll break that addiction and the struggles he's going through. He's one that I text every week and sometimes I'm worried, is he going to, ever text me back is even going to be around the next day just because of things that go on in his head and stuff that he struggles with. So pray for my brother Dennis, but we just invite him in to be with our family. Go watch movies. We went bowling together. Just live life together with people. It doesn't have to just necessarily be at church. He comes maybe half time to church. That's okay. I'll go to his house. I'll go wherever he's at. I don't have to have him just here at church. They can be at work. You, you can disciple people at work even. So the next person uh, is Deborah. She's been a Christian a little bit over a year, and she's about this tall, not somewhere around in here. Her mom is about this tall. She's 81 now. She turned 81, her mom did, and gave her life to the Lord the first time we ever went. A couple weeks after we left, actually, her mom gave her life to the Lord in 2016, and she prayed really hard that her daughter would come to know the Lord. And here she is now, a year later, of walking with the Lord, But she came to, our kids just, you know why I know it's not too hard? Our kids are probably the best evangelists. And they don't don't have to preach this huge thing and they don't have to say, you know, well, let us pray, you know, change your voice when they're talking about God. Let us pray, you know. (laughs) They just love on people and they talk to people and they have fun. And that's why I know maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I'm thinking I have to strive and do this. But Deborah, she came to us one time, and we'd always give her a hug. And all the kids, you, know, you got a bunch of us, they go up and give her a hug. And she told Leanne one time, you're the only people that's ever, that ever gives me hugs. And so Leanne says, well, you're getting two then. And so she gave her another hug. And so every week, we make sure she gets hugs. Not because, you know, we have to check these, because we love her, and we're going to give her hugs. Because she's loved, and she's loved by Jesus, and we want her to know what that feels like. And so simple things. We just we give people hugs, and we feel like, man, that's, that's doing so much. It's doing so much in her life. And so, know this. I was looking up the Great Commission, and commission is broken into two parts. Com, which means with and together. It's a prefix with or together. And mission, meaning a calling, a, a passion that you have that somebody's given you to go do. And I think here's the problem so many times of fulfilling this great commission of going and making disciples of all nations. We try to do it on our own and in our own power. And God, right from the beginning, is saying, I want to do this with you and together. We have to do this with God. We can't be the lone ranger and try to do this by ourselves. So if the worship team would come up, I guess I just want to maybe conclude by just summarizing what I felt like was on the Lord's heart or the best I can of what he gave me was You can do this. You can do this. You have people in your life. There's a circle of people, you know, your friends or coworkers or family or whatever it is. Maybe as we're talking, or if you haven't thought about that, think about that today. Who's that circle around you? And God's saying, you can influence that circle for me. You can disciple those people. You can bring those people closer to the Lord. They might already know Jesus. We don't just go to people that don't know Jesus. That isn't just, there's people that know Jesus that are struggling, that need help. We do a simple thing and we started in Belfast called we're going to out smile people. So we started a thing, we go into Tesco's, which is like the Walmart. And we walk around because joy is a lot of times a minority for a lot of people. And so we walk around and we, we try to make eye contact and have these big smiles look like some weird Texans. We just smile real big and we're going to make sure they see some love and some smile and some joy coming out. And so we try to just make eye contact and smile. And the other day we, we went into Walmart here and we said, hey, we're gonna outsmile smile some people. So guess what? People in Wise County need some joy too. And I was walking back, I was buying my kids a basketball. And I was meeting Lynn back in the uh, food. And I was like, I feel like I just told myself a joke and no one else heard it. And I'm just laughing as I'm, I'm like walking back almost just laughing, just looking at people. It's not hard to do. Don't make it so hard because I think what we try to do is make it so hard that then we can exclude ourselves. What can you do? What skills has God given you? And do that. Listen as Elijah did. Take the skills he's given you and just step out and do it. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. You can do this. If I can do it, anybody can do it. I promise you. Okay? Let's pray.